Wow! Welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how you doing? I'm all right, thank you, uh, Chris. I'm actually in uh, a studio for the first time in a little while. I usually do this in my... um little bubble I've got in my um, uh, kitchen, Uh, so I'm feeling... Messy kitchen. It's very roomy. I feel very roomy (laughs) right now. (laughs) I feel like I got a, you. I've got facilities. I've what got a bottle of water. Everything's looking good. I'm feeling great. See, I always do it in the corner of my apartment. Ah. So you, you always have to one-up me somewhere. Your studio's far more <laughs> lavish than the just hunched in the corner of my apartment with a, a handful of coffee. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, you win, as always. <laughs> well, how have you been, Chris? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, I've been pretty good. I've just come back from some ramen. I um, I made a, re- a video recently uh, in Fukuoka. As mm. always, good to plug my videos. Yes. I uh, went to Fukuoka and I went to um, Ichiram, which is this ramen chain that everyone knows and loves and raves about. And it's all right. It's a little bit overrated, but Ichiram's named for tonkotsu pork broth ramen. Mm. Have you ever had it? Um, I think I have. It's quite, a th- it's quite a thicker... Almost peanut buttery kind of um, heavier kind mm. of ramen, isn't it? It's not. It's not as watery. I really like it. Yeah, it's kind of thick, creamy, a bit like milk. It's really nice. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it tastes amazing. But there's another chain that's better than Ichiran called Ippudo. Ippudo. I-P-P-U-D-O. And uh, if you ask most Japanese people which they prefer, out of Ippudo and Ichiran, they always go for Ippudo. Mm. And the best thing is, when you go to Ichiran, there's always lots of queues because it's very popular amongst foreigners. And yeah. I'm still trying to work out why that is. I'm not really sure why. It just seems to have amassed some sort of legend, um, legendary cult status. But Ippudor, there's never a queue. Um, it's just everywhere. And it's amazing. It's definitely better. So if you're in Tokyo or Fukuoka, anywhere, just go to Ippudo and you will have just the most amazing ramen. Given that it's a chain, it's it's just the best. Like uh, most of the best, like the best ramen usually is in little family-run kind of ramen shops. But sometimes you find a good chain and you can get something that's almost as good, and Ippudo is that place. The only problem is once I've had ramen, I kind of feel a bit knocked out. Um, so if I, you hear me sort of just fall <laughs> off my off. chair or start snoring, just just keep running with the bat on, Pete. Just keep the podcast going until the end. I'll just keep on. Do you really want me let loose on the podcast by myself? Is that what you want? Is that what you want your reputation to hang on? Because that's what'll happen, <laughs> Chris. Then you'll be in trouble, won't you? We've only reached that desperate level once, if I can recall, right? <laughs> once in a year of podcast. Oh, that's right, yeah. I did I sick. do a best of? Did I, I think I did a best of where I just introduced some pieces of uh, information, bits and bobs. Off why, cuts. why did we do that? I can't remember why I wasn't in it for once. I, th- I think you were unwell or we sick. couldn't find a place to record or a time to record. I think you might have been travelling. Um, that's why. But uh, speaking, yeah. of, speaking of carbs, Chris, I've been hearing that... Uh, the pizza vending machine in... Was it the last video you put on the Abroad Japan <laughs> channel? The pizza vending this machine, is, Chris. I'm so annoyed and disappointed. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that have been listening to the Abroad Japan podcast for at least the last six months, yeah, this is a, a chapter in the story I didn't think we'd have to come to. Um, you might recall six months ago, we discovered the existence of a pizza vending machine in Hiroshima, mm. um, which is a vending machine that does oven-cooked pizza. It's not microwave crappy pizza. It's actually really good quality oven-cooked pizza. Um, 
And we, we learned about it, and then we went to it. We visited it whilst we were doing Journey Across Japan. I cycled through Hiroshima, and I took some time out of the busy schedule looking around the more historic sites and <laughs> uh, cultural sites to go and see this piece of any machine. It wasn't bad. It, it almost lived up to the hype. I think we gave it a 6 out of 10. You can see it in the Hiroshima video. Um, and that, I thought that would be it. I thought that was it. We, it's uh, the end of the story there. We closed that book. Um, but then... Just in the last few days, numerous people have been messaging me, (laughs) slightly angry, um, because they've pilgrimaged to the pizza vending machine in Hiroshima and discovered it's no longer there. It's actually gone. It was in this car park, this crappy car park out the front of uh, a DVD rental shop. And uh, the worst thing is, it's not a place, it's not like a district in Hiroshima that people would normally go to. It's kind of like (laughs) out the way in this like residential district. Mm. So... I felt really guilty. Um, people are sending me like Instagram stories of them looking disappointed in a car park, um, <laughs> having travelled all this way, like 30, 40 minutes outside the city for, for a pizza vending machine that simply isn't there. Um, so I feel quite guilty. Feel pretty oh, nice. I don't know how I'm going to bounce back from this. Well, well, can I recommend a uh, vending machine? There's one in uh, Awashi. Um, there's a, a YouTube um, uh, account, Great Big Story, that do some quite nice stories around the world. But they mm. do a lot of um, uh, Japanese stuff because obviously it's, a, it's an island nation. There's some very unique stuff in there. But um, basically there's this old bloke who um, used to be a rice farmer now he's got a right. vending machine on a plot, just like a 24-hour garage uh, in Awashi, yeah. which is, I think, uh, near Kagawa um, on uh, on that island. And, um, yeah, he's, he basically home cooks this uh, rice, um, and he's got a very particular way of doing it, and he's got some curry sauce with chicken, I think. And he basically makes these home-cooked, me- home-cooked meals and, and drives twice a day to this vending machine to fill up his own vending machine full of home-cooked meals. So you can actually go to a vending machine in Awashi, um, give it a Google, and uh, get yourself some uh, some legitimate home-cooked food. And everyone comes from miles around to pick up this uh, $3 vending machine meal. <laughs> That's really quite cool. Yeah, he's, he's, I, um... he's got a real sort of like um, duty of care for this vending machine, arriving twice a day because he doesn't want the rice to get overcooked and stuff. I don't know what his overheads oh, are, right. but yeah, fascinating. Where? So it's in Awashi? Yeah. Awashi. All right. Yeah. I think there's there's a washi in Niigata Prefecture and there's an Awashi in the Inland Sea of Japan. So make sure you get the right one. Yeah, I think it's the Inland Sea. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just on the corner of... Uh, it's near Tokushima. So, Tokushima. Yeah. Oh, right, near mm. the Inland Sea. Lovely. Cool. Definitely check it out. Have some um, curry. <laughs> have some curry out of any machine. What more could you want? It's probably better than the pizza, to be fair. Um, we had two pizzas out of the pizza vending machine. One was good. One was a bit of a slightly burnt letdown. Mm. Um, it's just unfortunate that the video came out to great fanfare and it went, the pizza vending machine disappeared literally two weeks later. Um, I don't know what happened. Maybe they saw the video and maybe the video was responsible. That's what I'm worried about. Mm. Could the video have led the owner to think, no, I don't want loads of foreigners going to this pizza vending machine uh, out the front of the car up. park. <laughs> yeah. Still, that's the uh, that's the bad news out of the way. The good news, or I think it's good news, is it's the uh, the one-year anniversary of Natsuki the movie this week. Oh. Um, which is your original... Uh, that's when you originally appeared My on debut. the Abroad Japan channel, right, Pete? It's yeah. when you first seems read like, your face. It seems like only yesterday. how we met. Actually, the only reason yeah. that makes me think that it's a, a long time ago is because obviously it was like probably a year and a bit when I when you actually filmed it. Um, all of yeah. the studios that we filmed in and recorded in are now 
a completely different radio station in a completely different state. They've all been knocked through. It's um, a completely different situation down that part of the second floor of One Golden Square in London. So, uh, yeah, I, I look back on those wood panel days uh, as quite fondly, Chris. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you watch the Natsuki, the movie documentary and feel kind of nostalgic about yeah. the old studio? I go, I go ooh, look at... Look at that. That's a video from when I was younger. Um, and to steal and crib an old Mitch Hedberg joke, every video of, of you is a video of when you were younger. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of people listening that don't know what Natsuki the movie is or even who Natsuki is, mm. um, given that people discover this podcast, then discover the YouTube channel. Mm. How would you summarise Natsuki the movie in a simple few sentences, Pete? In a, your expertise. In a country of... Natural eccentrics, Natsuki somehow out eccentrics them all. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't really give much away there. Probably the worst synopsis I've ever heard of anything. Um, yeah, Natsuki's like this wacky Japanese dude. He goes into the UK in search of something. I don't think he finds whatever it is. He comes back. He writes a song and then he performs it. And that's that's Natsuki the movie essentially. Um, check it out though if you haven't seen it it's a it's a good 50 minute adventure uh from the rice fields of rural japan to the streets of london and to pete's studio uh it's quite a fun little adventure and if you yeah if you want to see what life is like in japan for someone who's japanese and the just how tough it is and all the crazy work hours you do um then check it out just Mm. type in natsuki the move into youtube it'll come up and it might be the best 50 minutes you'll ever have yeah, probably. If you want to see a man, Definitely. if you want to see a man compress his uh, his neck bones <laughs> in a uh, in a uh, what was he called like an indoor skydiving thing? If you want indoor to see a man dive. really damage his uh, his neck, um, it's the video for you. <laughs> yeah, or meet Karl Marx. Or meet Karl Marx. I t- I tell you about like, how many people got annoyed that Natsuki left a rose for Karl Marx. Yeah, um, I mean, again, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's weird that uh, uh, people who have, are even on nodding terms of politics really don't like socialists or communists. <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's like uh, in, the docu- in the documentary, Natsuki goes to the graveyard to meet his idol or to put a rose on the grave of his idol. Uh, the idol might, spoiler alert, the idol might not be there, uh, but he turns the corner and just sees the grave of Karl Marx. Doesn't even know who Karl Marx really is. <laughs> he just exclaims, wow, Karl Marx, he's very famous in the world. And I sort of nodded and went, yeah. And he left a rose for him and that was it. But loads of people took that to meaning that uh, Natsuki was some sort of Died in the world socialist. Uh, Die hard communist socialist uh, where Natsuki... Just isn't. He doesn't. No. I don't think he even knew who Karl Marx was. Well, he's um, a, he's a business owner, isn't he? He's a small business owner. It's hard to be is. a communist when Absolutely. you when you're chucking hair bleach around. I'll tell you what. Fact. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to see indoor skydives and Karl Marx, that's good. The movie. Check it out. And more importantly, um, me. <laughs> now swiftly moving away from that. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, you might recall we did an episode on scams in Japan. Scam, four common scams in Tokyo. Mm. Um, because there was a, a little trend going on. There was a lot of scams going on in Akihabara. And lots of people were messaging me. Lots of you guys were messaging me um, saying you'd seen things and had things happen. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why it was peaking in, in April or May particularly. Nevertheless, we did an episode. And since that episode, talking about the four most common scams, we've actually got lots of testimonials and stories sent in by you guys who've actually experienced um, some of these scams in your travels in Japan. And I thought I'd read out one of them today. It's the worst one by far. It's pretty bad. Uh, It is like a horror story, effectively. 
Um, but I want to read it out, and when I say I want to read it out, I mean I want Pete to read it out. Oh, because um, <laughs> it's really long, and he's got a much better voice than I do. I haven't. Uh, but... Kind of, you've got that classic radio DJ intonation <laughs> that I can only dream of, where you kind of go up like this and down like that. Uh, I can't. You do made that. me sound like um, a host of Top Gear. <laughs> I'm not having that. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's the Jeremy Clarkson voice. Um, <laughs> But I know a lot of you guys coming to Japan will inevitably go to Shinjuku, uh, to a district called Kabukicho, which is, it's the red light district where it used to be these days, not so much. But it's the entertainment district in Shinjuku, and you'll probably pass through there, especially as it's home to Robot Restaurant, one of the biggest attractions in Tokyo. Um, And then after there, you might wander around and you might get dragged off the streets by one of the street towers, one of the street vendors who will take you to a bar for free drinks. And... This is the story we have here from a girl called Rachel who is in Tokyo, in Kabukicho, uh, with her fiancé and what happened to them on their travels. And it's, it's a bad story, so mm. let this be a warning. Begin, Pete. <sighs> Rachel's story. So my fiancé and I were in Japan uh, in April and started the trip in Tokyo. We were staying in Shinjuku and had pre-booked the robot restaurant for the evening of Sunday the 7th. We got to the robot restaurant and quickly discovered it was pretty tacky and touristy, so we figured we'd need a few drinks to get through it, so to speak. So we had a few beers during the show and got chatting to a few English couples who were sat near us. The show finished and we all agreed with the other couples to carry on for a few drinks together and we left the robot restaurant and decided we should find a karaoke bar. We wandered the streets in Kabukicho for not even a couple of minutes before one of the group, neither me or my fiancé, got chatting to a tout on the street. I didn't hear the conversation, so I don't know what was offered, but in any event, we found ourselves in a bar and we were taken to a karaoke room and we were brought several trays of drinks for the group. Now, I know we'd been targeted as a group of uh, pretty tipsy and naive foreigners. Uh, my fiancé sang a bit of karaoke, as did a few others, and then after that point, we don't remember much at all. Next thing I knew, it was several hours later, and we were in the same bar, but in a different room. The hostess girl was basically sat on top of me, straddling me, and I looked over, and my fiancé was in exactly the same situation. Whoa. Let's just say these girls were extremely handsy uh, and doing stuff to us without any consent, basically. I also recall a Nigerian man coming over several times with trays of drinks. I remember being in a total zombie-like status and I saw uh, my fiancé uh, kissing a hostess girl and I had pretty much zero reaction, so definitely confident we were drugged for that reason. If I was just pissed, I'd have been upset or angry at least to see something like that, uh, but I was weirdly emotionless. After that... Uh, I recall uh, being in a taxi trying to get back to a hotel. I had no cash at all in my purse and I had to pay for my taxi on my credit card. Miraculously, we uh, made it back to the hotel. Next morning, we wake up and I look into my purse to find my debit card was gone, uh, which prompted me to check out my uh, online banking. A transaction appeared for around £2,000, around uh, 273,000 yen to be exact, and so my fiancé checked his, and he also had the same for roughly the same amount. I then checked my credit card. There was another transaction for £550. So in total, between the two of us, we had just over £4,500 gone from our accounts. After a bit, I mean, incredible, really, isn't it? After more searching, uh, and as the most horrendous hangover of my life wore off, we realised that my bank card was in fact my in my fiancé's wallet, and one of his cards was in my purse, which made me think that the bar staff would probably just help themselves to our cards and swipe them uh, and put them back in the wrong wallets. 
We reported to the police uh, next day, uh, who weren't particularly interested and told us to take it up with our banks. The banks were interested because they said it was an authorised transaction. We'd have to take it up with a bar. Obviously, we had no intention of doing so, since we knew at this point that the bar was clearly run by Yakuza or such like. Um, I don't even know the name of the bar. It comes up in our bank statements as Prime Time Bar, but Google brings up pretty much nothing from the name in Shinjuku. So that's it, basically. We couldn't wait to leave Tokyo, and I barely drank a drop of alcohol for the rest of the trip. And we are now in debt, unfortunately. Uh, I've no idea what happened to those other English couples we were with I didn't see them again so I wonder if they were scammed as well or if they managed to escape never follow a street tout um, something we spoke about before on this uh, on this uh, podcast but yeah Rituals is a particularly it's a thicker end of the wedge isn't it really it's not losing a couple of hundred dollars it's uh, it's two and a half grand and they've clearly been drugged uh, which is something that they do mention in the guidebooks you've got to be careful it's terrible I mean coming back from a holiday in debt is normal anyway, yeah. uh, especially if it's Japan. Uh, but coming back with a £4,500 hole in your wallet, which is like $6,000, is ridiculous mm. for something like that. To effectively be tortured uh, and watch your fiancé being, well, harassed by uh, in that way, it's ridiculous. It's, this is one of the worst examples I've, I've heard of it. Um, in fact, we had several stories that were like this, but Rachel's story was the most detailed. Like yeah. This goes into painstaking detail of what you can expect uh, and that's why I chose it you know it's horrifying it really is horrible imagine being in this position so yeah I, I, we don't need to really elaborate on that anymore just no. don't follow a bloody street town no and, matter and- how friendly they are no matter how many free drinks they offer you don't go to a bar uh, just off some by someone who drags you off the street basically it's, mm. this is a, like what will essentially happen and yeah. it will be terrible and I remember, um, I remember the first time, actually probably second time I went uh, with a mate, we found a, a club that actually we ended up going to three or four times because it was quite fun, um, in Shibuya around the corner. Um, and um, it was kind of off the beaten track a little bit, but we found this uh, club on, on Google and we went there. Um, and it seemed pretty lively. It seemed, you know, there were Japanese people there, which is always a pretty good sign. I mean, don't go into some mm. shitty little bar, shitty little karaoke's one of those sort of places where it's quite small there doesn't need to be other people so that people can be kind of paired off and, and, and kind of tricked and stuff uh, but I remember being in that club and I remember uh, a bloke a host effectively coming over and going hey what are you doing what are you doing here and chatting, chatting us up basically this bloke um, and uh, he said uh, oh come on have some tequila with me and I was like ah, you know and, and I was very careful watching him have the tequila he was giving me a tequila and he also had a tequila and I was watching him make sure that he was drinking from the same bottle as me and all that business. But he was, um, but I think he was making his money uh, with uh, girls effectively. There was a gaggle of women who were following around and I was like, oh, right, okay, I see what's what's happening here. Thanks, but no thanks. My friend on the other hand was like, oh my God, we're surrounded by women. I'm going, (laughs) mate, you are not, you are so gullible. You will get yourself into so much trouble. So yeah, he was... um, we were followed around for a little while by some, uh, ch- what I think were Chinese ladies. Uh, so I was like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, just just keep your wits about you. Uh, Japan is an incredibly friendly place. Go with the wind, but uh, don't go with the wind in the red light district of Kabukicho. It's not a, it's not an ideal. <laughs> uh, to be honest, Kabukicho is one of those places where I've never really, I, I you know, I know the Robert Restaurant and I know like Golden Guy and I know um, there's a club that I recommend called um, God what's it called it's where Tokyo Decadence takes place uh, if you google Tokyo Deca- Decadence uh, Shinjuku Dekabazi Dekabazi I've talked about it before um, that's a nice little weird club where you're going to see something that you're not going to see anywhere else um, but yeah I'd, I've never really understood 
I've never really sort of thought of anywhere in, De- in, in, in Shinjuku that I've really wanted to go on a night out. So, yeah, weird. Well, recently it's been gentrified to Dickens. Mm. Like, uh, when I came in 2012, it was a real just mess, a real shithole. Like, all mm. the streets were very sinister-looking, quite intimidating. These days, it's actually a very big tourist attraction because they've got the, uh, I think it's the Hotel Gracery with the Godzilla statue, right, yes. towering overhead, which looks pretty cool, to be fair. Uh, so lots of tourists go there, they look around, they love it. And for me personally, I go there because it's a photographer's dream. Like yeah. Most photographers who do the old nighttime street photography in Japan, Kabuki chose their first stop, you know. The lights just look incredible. Um but I remember when we, when I came over on the JET program, the Japan Exchange Teaching Program, back in 2012, they actually warned us, don't go over the road to Kabukicho, because we were staying in, um, in a hotel in the Skyscraper District, the yeah. KO Plaza Hotel. The first week of um, the JET program, you get put up in this hotel, and you have to do loads of dreary, boring, tedious seminars. Uh, although, if I, if I recall, I actually just sat in my hotel bed eating crisps, for three days because I was too jet lagged to participate. Mm. Uh, I feel comfortable exp- telling you that story now because I'm not going to get fired for it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they were ex- pretty explicit. They were like, "Don't go to Kabuki Che," which made me want to go there. Oh, massively, yeah. And it was really interesting and scary. <laughs> but yeah, they've gentrified it, and it looks a lot safer now. But there's still like a, a lot of streets are a bit shady, so just be careful down there. But do take some photos down there. Get your Instagram photos. Yeah. Get your selfies. For your Facebook, that's that's the best place to do it. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, don't follow the friendly Nigerian dude. No. Oh. He let's, is friendly, though. They are very friendly. Debt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, into the fax machine. Into what the fax machine. Week? We got an email from Andrew. Andrew. If you want to get in touch with the show, how can they do that? By the way, before we start. Podcast at gmail.com. It's the most cumbersome <laughs> contact email address for anything ever. Um, but if you get through, you'll get a little email saying, well done, you found the Abroad Japan podcast email, <laughs> and you'll be vindicated, and you'll have won the prize. And the prize <laughs> is to be read out like Andrew is, yes. right about now. Uh, hello, Chris and Pete. My name is Andrew. We all knew that Andrew for crying out loud. Chris already said it. What's wrong with you? Um, I enjoy listening to your podcast as I travel the open road as a truck driver. I work for a Japanese company in the US and the chairman of the company is coming to visit. I would like to greet him, but I'm not sure of the proper way to do it in Japanese. Could you help me out? Thank you for all of the amusement and information you provide. Um, oh, do you, well, I mean, oh. this is one of the first things you learn in Japanese, isn't it? Every book about Japanese, it's like the f- chapter one introductions. Yeah. Do you remember any of the key phrases, Pete? Um, you, you would have learned. I'd probably go for Dozo Roshku. No, we don't no. really use that that much. Oh, what? Nah. Hajime mashite? Hajime Yeah, good. Yeah, hajime mashite. It means like, hajime I can't say it today, so I'm speaking too much, too fast. I drank too much coffee. Too much ramen. After that ramen to compensate for the sleepiness of ramen, I drank like three coffees, <laughs> and that's why I am talking almost as fast as you. Uh, yeah, hajime mashite. It means like, uh, how do you do? Mm. It's, uh, it's not used as much as you'd think. Yeah. And, like you said, Pete, dozo yoroshiku. You don't really hear that that often. You hear yoroshiku onegaishimasu. That's the most common one, which ah. kind of means like, pleased to meet you, have favour upon me. Um, I travel with Ryotaro a lot, right, doing mm. all sorts of stuff. Ryotaro does seminars around Japan. And it's really interesting watching Ryotaro interact with people. And he, he doesn't really... He, he kind of just sort of walks over. He'll say, like, konnichiwa, and quickly have a quick introduction about, like, uh, where they're from and just how they're doing that day. And then they'll whip out the he'll whip out his business card, and the other person will get out their business card, and then they'll kind of say their name 
and they'll say, uh, like for Ryotaro, he'd say, Sakurai Ryotaro to Moshimas. And the way you say your name is to Moshimas. So, for example, I'd be, Burodo Kurisu to Moshimas. And yeah, that's kind of the formal way of saying my name is, right? Right, okay. Um, and then you would say, Yoroshiko Nagaishimas as you hand over your business card. And that's basically it, really. Um, just those are the key phrases. Just say your name. Then whack on to moshimas, mm. which is the formal way of introducing your name, and then just say yoroshiko nagaishimas, and you tend to say yoroshiko nagaishimas about twenty-five times um, along the way, uh, and that's not even an exaggeration. So just say yoroshiko nagaishimas over and over, and you will look amazing. <laughs> that's my tip. I learnt I learnt a couple of words. Uh, my shower words for this week, because I am heading to Japan very soon. Um, my shower words, because <laughs> um, I was talking. I, was, I, I met up with a couple of guys um, who uh, do films uh, for Third Third Window Films, I think it's called, um, that, mm. that import to Japanese uh, titles to the UK, and uh, they were doing some kind of premiere for, for, for a, a screening at the Prince Charles Cinema. So I met uh, a couple mm. of people um, after that in a uh, in a bar, and so the whole room was filled with Japanese people, which is fascinating. So we had a we chat about. Um, old Tokyo and drinking culture over there and stuff because you know me always looking for tips um, but uh, I, I actually used uh, Natsukashi um, as, ah. as in, a, in a well not in a sentence I literally just shouted Natsukashi because it was a film from the 70s and it was all retro and stuff uh, so Natsukashi uh, I always remember because Natsuki Natsukashi uh, it means, means kind of retro um, I've also got Muzukashi uh, which is um, difficult because uh, obviously Benkyo Shimas uh, learning uh, Japanese Nihongo Benkyo Shimas uh, learning Japanese is difficult so I'll probably use that at some point during my uh, during my trip uh, and also Yasashi which is uh, easy or is it calm or kind of like soft I can't really Yasashi just means kind really yeah. so if someone does you someone does you a favour right. something nice like if you come to Japan uh, in two weeks, which you are, and you bring me some Magnus cider, which you will, uh, and as you hand them over to me, I will proclaim, "Ah, oh, pizza, yasashi ne, yasashi pizza." No, you won't. You'll grab me by so the arm happy. and go, "Don't give it to a hotelier." <laughs> yeah, don't give it don't away, girl. Break your arm. And uh, yeah, interesting point. Natsukashi. It doesn't mean retro. It kind of means it just means nostalgic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, whenever I'm walking through Yamagata Prefecture or Sakata, mm. where I used to live, I'll just be like, oh, that's Kashi, you know. Just like memories from the old days when I used to live in <laughs> Yamagata three, four years ago. When I was a shogun ninja. flooding back. And <laughs> that's Kashi. And Muzukashi, yeah, Muzukashi is really interesting. It does mean difficult, but it also means difficult uh, in the way that you would sort of say, oh, if it's difficult, it can't be done. Um, ah, right, okay. Like, as you, as we've talked about before, in Japan, people don't really say no, right? Mm. The only time you say no in Japan, which is, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, you would say that when people compliment you. Yes. So if, you know, if Pete goes to me, oh, Chris, you have nice hair today, I'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Right, That's also, the way I, you'd I, use no, just to that. sort of shoot down praise <laughs> yeah. in a humble kind of way. Mm. Um, but if something's actually difficult or impossible or you can't do it, you'd usually just go, oh, it's, it's difficult. Oh, it's difficult. So that's the time you'll hear Muzukashi the most, probably. And also when Japanese people talk about learning English, they'll always say, oh, Ego Muzukashi there. Shall I throw another one into the, uh, into the um, vocabulary mix that's just come another to mind? Another shower word. Another shower word. I was going to say. I was, going to, oh God, I was going to say you should release just a like a textbook learning <laughs> shower Japanese words. with Pete <laughs> shower words with Pete. But it would all, it would always be like kind of how I remember um, 
Is it Thai? How I would remember that word. Is it Thaiyaki, the um, the little fish, um, the little fish foods? Yeah, it's like yeah. a little custard little pastry custard in the shape thing, of a fish. Yeah. You see them in Chinatown quite a lot. Lovely old job. I've never actually had mm. one. I really should get involved because they are literally on sale next to my house. Um, taikutsu, which is... Um, taikutsu. Taikutsu, which I believe is uh, dull or boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boring. There you go. Taikutsu or... Or Tsumanai. 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 Tsumanai on Taikutsu means boring, yeah. Boring! Yeah. Those are your four, are those your four words of the week, They're then. my four words of the week. Muskashi, uh, uh, Natsukashi, uh, Yasashi, and also Taikutsu. <laughs> Taikutsu. Taikutsu. <laughs> Taikutsu. What's, I mean, it's good. In Japan, like, uh, you hear people just exclaim one word all the time, because yeah. one word can mean a lot more than just one word, really. Mm. Um, so just by learning those words, you could probably have an entire conversation <laughs> just <laughs> using Oppie. those words. Um, <laughs> we've got an email. We'll put it to the test. When you come Brian. over in a few weeks, we'll put it to the test. Yeah, We'll put you in front of Natsuki and see what you can do. Oh, good Lord. No English allowed. <laughs> in fact, we should probably do that in a, in a few weeks' time. We, we haven't done many... Um, Japanese language learning episodes on this podcast. No. Given that you're coming to Japan, yeah. maybe we should uh, do one. Words Prepare. I've used. Words I've used are words I will be using. Yeah. Mm. It's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. Um, got a an email from, or fax, fax, from Brian. And I don't quite get it. I don't know if it's a reference um, from a previous podcast. I don't know. It just says, hi, Chris, and teabag. Teabag from What's Prison the Break. <laughs> Um, there's a man in what? prison break who looks like me and he's teabag he's a 50 year old man uh, mm. have we ever talked about that before or is that just we will common have, yeah we will reference? have done yeah we will have, I look like everyone right. that's the problem you do you mm. do um, especially the villain out of Far Cry 5 hi Chris <laughs> and teabag I'm planning a trip to Japan next year and I've got a couple of questions Ooh. I really dislike fish and most of the meals in Japan seem to be fish based will I find enough meals that aren't fish based to get me by also I really really struggle to use chopsticks if I ask for a knife and fork will I be automatically thrown out of the country mm. kind regards Brian um, Pete you struggle to use chopsticks as we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, have, do you often use a knife and fork? Do you call for a knife and fork? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ritually criticised for having terrible um, chopstick uh, st- chopstick work, but um, I've, I can't, I've kind of uh, muddled through. I don't know why people get so upset about it. I get all the food in my mouth, and that's the main thing. By hook or by crook. <laughs> <laughs> I think you nearly took out your eye last time. Last time I saw you. Um, yeah. You get a knife and fork. Actually, a lot of restaurants don't have knives and forks, so don't be surprised if you can't get it. Um, mm. But try. If you really hate chopsticks that much. Best way, though, is just to learn how to use chopsticks. I was rubbish um, up until 2011 when I went on a trip to China, and I had to learn because I went on the big like tour group, and we sat around these big round tables. In China, it's very common to sit around a big round table, yeah. and they put the food in the middle of the table on this sort of rotating giant dish, um, so you turn the dish around to get near to the food. A lazy Susan. And yeah, well, yeah, and it became a kind of a free for all, right? Because you have a long day of trekking. Yeah, I was trekking the Great Wall of China. It was all very glamorous. And then we came down. At the end of the day, we'd come down for dinner, uh, and then it'd be a free for all. You know, you'd dive in, and if you couldn't use chopsticks, you wouldn't get the food, and then you would just die of starvation. So I had to learn quickly, um, and I did out of necessity. So just go to China. And that's the key to learning how to <laughs> eat China. First one, though, uh, not eating fish. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, you can get by, uh, unless you're Jewish. Um, a lot of pork. A lot of pork in uh, Japan, isn't there? A lot of uh, ramen <laughs> with pork, but then... Will it have dairy in it? Because like you can't mix meat and dairy. I think in kosher food, I, 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 I'm so bad at knowing what people can eat, and what they can't eat. But um, yeah, there's a lot of pork, a lot of chicken, a lot of karage. I mean, Christ, Chris, when was the last time you ate seafood? You're a chicken boy. <laughs> I am a chicken boy. You can get by very easily yeah. in Japan without fish. Um, yeah, you'll be fine, no problem. Genuinely, yeah. There's a lot of fish, um, lots of sushi, and they have lots of different types. But like, no, it's it's fine. That's actually one of the easier things to do getting by in japan being a vegan very difficult yeah getting by disliking fish pretty easy so mm. don't worry about that um got one from alexandria hansen from Ooh. richmond virginia i'll hand this over to you Pete. beautiful well i mean uh, this kind of concerns a dairy product that you probably couldn't uh, have um if you were jewish uh, f- uh well you can uh, i'm getting confused now doesn't matter uh if you were vegan i mean not jewish <laughs> i'm getting jews and vegans mixed up and i didn't come here to do that quite frankly chris um my husband and i finished our first ever trip to japan about a month ago uh, we went during sakura uh, season and we were lucky enough to see full bloom sakura in uh, tokyo kyoto and uh, kawaguchiko um but we were still able to catch some late blooming sakura in osaka uh, we had the time of our lives and are now actually planning to quit our jobs in the US and move to Japan within the next five years. That's something to aim for, isn't it? Wow. Alexandria Hansen from Richmond, Virginia. Wow. Bold. Very bold. Very bold. Uh, I'm writing mostly to say that I'm one of those people that tried Coolish because of Pete's glowing, albeit excessive, reviews. <laughs> <laughs> albeit excessive is very much me. That's going to be written on my goddamn uh, tombstone. Uh, just albeit excessive. <laughs> Look, I've mentioned it maybe three times. And it's been self-perpetuating because everyone who goes to Japan will take a picture of their coolish and send it to me. Now, I am not saying... I did it just last week, didn't I? That, yeah, well, exactly. Oh, cool. The, the, coolish, the coolish company need to be hooking me up with a tour of the factory, quite frankly. I need... I think it's a lotte. A lotte. Lotte. Um, uh, iced goods, iced Three chocolate company, goods. I um, I think they're the company that does it. But uh, yeah, they're uh, they need to be hooking me up because, quite frankly, I've done a lot of work for Coolish in Japan. Certainly in the, the tourism industry. Um, <laughs> you make it sound like charity work. I think it is. Yes, I think I have done a lot. Promoting I think I should have a knighthood. A subpar ice cream product. I should stop. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I will stop this recording right now, Chris. You call it subpar. <laughs> I should be crowned as the Coolish King. That's all I'm saying. Like the Burger King. Um, <laughs> anyway, we had uh, just finished visiting the uh, Kikakuji uh, uh, Golden Temple in Kyoto, which is a beautiful uh, part of the world, um, uh, when we saw Coolish in an ice cream vending machine at the exit. We decided to give it a try, so we bought one and sat down to eat it. <laughs> what were they expecting? Like, just amazing, like, three-course uh, meal, five-star meal. Um I apologise, Pete, but we didn't like it. Maybe because it was coming from a vending Ooh. machine. Perhaps it was a bit older and poorer quality. Let me make it clear, Alexandria. That's just what it tastes like. It is just chemicals, but it's delicious and refreshing, especially when it's hot. We did spend a lot of time eating matcha soft cream for various shops around Kyoto. So maybe the quality of the coolest just paled in comparison. Maybe it was just overhyped. It just tastes like typical low-quality soft cream we have in the US. That is like um, overly sweet icy milk water. Sorry, Pete. As far as the Combini uh, um, ice creams go, I think we're more of a uh, Choco Monaco Jumbo family. <laughs> and they've attached some pictures of us uh, eating some Coolish uh, and a few pictures uh, from, from Mount Fuji uh, to make Chris jealous. So they're having a go at both of us there, to be quite frank. It's a double whammy. Massively. It's a double whammy. Yeah. They've, they've taken down your spiritual king of Coolish and... 
Um, yeah, annoyed me by sending lovely photos of Mount Fuji, <laughs> given that I never ever see it. I, I went past Mount Fuji. I was in actually I was in Kyoto last week, showing my cousin around, uh, and I did send you a video of me eating some kulish yeah. just outside the King Kakuji Temple. So I can relate to this story. <laughs> and then I caught the bullet train back to Tokyo. Went past Mount Fuji. Didn't see it again. Absolutely livid. Mm. For God's sake, when am I going to see that bloody mountain? Um, no. And Alexandria has just the most wonderful pictures of her husband um, just in the onsen, in a hot spring, overlooking it, looking just amazing, like a postcard, like a picture postcard, <laughs> like a tour guide front cover. It's amazing. Why haven't I had that? Why don't I ever get that? This is the oh, worst. Dear. Pretty depressed after reading that. Yeah, I'd message. say. I'd say. Um, we got an email from Matt. You want to do Matt? It's a little one. I will. Uh, hi Chris and Pete, loving the podcast. I've just finished binging it on my daily commute to uni and it's become part of my ritual. I was wondering about the stance of tattoos regarding working as a foreigner in Japan. I plan on applying for the Japan Exchange Teaching Programme in 2022 to be an ALT and I've wanted to for a long time. However, I have three decently sized tattoos, one being quite visible on my forearm. I know that tattoos have a lot of stigma attached in Japan, so do you think this would be an obstacle? Also, do you think that the... T- the do you think that the upcoming Tokyo Olympics would affect this in any way? Cheers, Matt. Um, good news, Matt. I actually had a good friend of mine, a good friend who um, had numerous tattoos up his arms, and he got the job. It was fine. All he had to do was just keep them covered up. Mm. And if you are teaching, you will have to keep your tattoos covered. So the only downside was in summer, when it was sweltering hot, he had to uh, keep his long sleeve shirt rolled down, covering up his arms. But that's the only thing you need to do just keep them concealed and you'll be fine shouldn't stand in the way of your dream and if pete ever wants to come over and rekindle his dreams of teaching you, you know you can do the same thing pete <laughs> definitely get, get them hidden get them hidden i'll just wear um <laughs> tights at all times <laughs> yeah on, on, that. on that um on Great that to scare everyone yeah exactly i'll arouse them um we've got a quick email from brandon to uh, finish because uh I, I i skipped over that by accident um just a quick one about the tattoos um a few years ago, I took a vacation to Japan. This is Brandon. Uh, it was a, I was in a quiet restaurant in Osaka having dinner. I heard someone trying to get my attention. I turned around and there was an old man a couple of booths down looking at me. He motioned to his right arm and then gave me the middle finger. What? I have many visible tattoos and most of them are on my right arm. I ignored him. I went uh, back to eating my food, but then he got up and began yelling at the staff. I don't know much Japanese, but it was obvious he was mad uh, that we were serving me. The staff did nothing and seemed as uncomfortable with the situation as I was. I looked up how to say, I love you in Japanese and made sure to let him know as I was walking out. The next night I was in a bar and the bartender also had visible tattoos. I asked if having uh, the made life difficult in Japan for him, he replied, I don't worry about it. All the old people will die soon. <laughs> even though even though even though the old man was an asshole and he sounded like he was a weird asshole um i still yeah. felt bad about it and wondered if i should have made a, an effort to cover my tattoos even though it was june and incredibly hot and humid um do you think i should pack some long sleeve shirts if i uh, go back i mean brandon i've never heard of this before this is crazy i don't think that's anything to worry about that's a uh, just a crazy old man being crazy do you remember the badly behaved man on the tube a couple of weeks ago he just kept on putting his arm in the in, in the way of the door so they wouldn't ever close oh, yeah. so nobody could get on their on their way to work some old people yeah. are problematic you only have to look at the political situation in the uk yeah. to find out that <laughs> Some old Japanese people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, like, all the worst, like all the terrible things you hear. It's always like old people mm. in Japan. Mm. And so, yeah, don't worry about that. That's I've never heard anything like that. That's kind of funny. Yeah, you should. Uh, 
wedge wear that story like a badge of honor get a tattoo um, it shouldn't get, happen again get a tattoo of the don't old man. worry yeah don't worry about covering up your tattoos you'll be fine brandon yeah don't 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 bother unless Forget you're teaching it. or going into onsen which might be a bit tricky mm. yeah I, you, you've never had anything that happened like that to you right Pete? no even i mean you took me into an onsen and i just um did i even cover it up i just we sort of sneaked in didn't we um it's like if you unless it's you make it a, unless you make it a problem um, I legitimately kind of want the um, the uh, Greco man uh, Osaka's uh, chocolate mascot Osaka's chocolate mascot um, on my leg. I'd quite like an I'd quite like a Greco man uh, tattooed. <laughs> well, you get one and you get you get a couple and you like and you, when you, the most dangerous time to have a tattoo is when you've just had another tattoo because you'll never stop. Your whole body will be covered. But I do quite. I've always liked the Greco man uh, and I've liked him for a long time. And I've got a Greco man on my. Uh, uh, on my little mobile uh, phone thing, a little Glicoman uh, pendant. It's not on my mobile phone. It's on my uh, intercom for my house. What am I talking about? But either way, it's a little Glicoman that uh, that hangs off my intercom, and I see him every day. And I think, hello, Glicoman, how are you? He's a pretty funky character. If you're wondering who Pete's on about, check out our uh, Osaka video. Mm. In the first like ten seconds of the Osaka video, you can see Pete in front of the Glico Man in full HD, yeah, uh, copying the pose of the Glico Man. It's rather glorious. Mm. It's rather nice. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I've never heard anything like that. But uh, if you guys have travelled Japan, you've got tattoos, and you've had some bad experiences, I want to hear them, and Pete wants to hear them too. Yeah. Send them in to brawnjapanpodcast at gmail.com, and we may well read them out in an upcoming episode. But for now, guys, that is it. It's time to go. It's time to call it a day. We'll be back same time next week as always. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Have a good one. Bye. Show is part of the Radio Stakhanov Network.